0: Good morning friends and welcome to our Sunday Morning Podcast. My name's John Thorpe, I'm the Minister here at Shell City Anglican. And a particular welcome if you're joining us for the first time. Whether you live locally or somewhere across the world, it's great to have you with us. And I hope you find this time together encouraging and challenging and inspiring. This COVID-19 crisis still has a long way to go. But certainly this weekend we are very thankful Uh, for just that little bit of extra freedom where we get to be outside and enjoy our community and reconnect uh, face to face with family and friends. And we should certainly be very thankful to God for His mercy in these times. But we're also tempted to start to wonder, well, what's God doing in these times? And why have we had it perhaps a little bit easier than others around the world? And we can speculate about these things, but we don't really know the answer. But the bigger question is, do we live prepared lives? Do we recognise Jesus as the one who secures our eternal future? And the one who provides a proper and sure foundation in the present? Yeah, This week we're continuing our series in the book of 1 Peter and Pete Stacey will be looking at this theme of what it means for Jesus to be our cornerstone. We'll also have some music, uh, Amanda will be bringing us a kid's spot. And Don will be sharing a little bit of his story about how he became a Christian. So let me begin uh, with these words about what it means for us to be Christians united together. With all Christians everywhere, we believe in one God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. The Father who made everything sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sin. Jesus rose again as Lord of all and will return in glory to judge and to save. God sends his Holy Spirit to live in us, that we might grow to be more like Jesus. Amen.
1: Dear Lord, we thank you for all your mercies that you continue to pour upon us. We thank you for sustaining us during this COVID-19 crisis and we thank you for the leadership that John and Pete have showed us in delivering these online services so that we can still meet together. We pray for them both as they prepare your word faithfully each week that you'll give them words to say and that you'll sustain them as they prepare for us each week. Lord, we do pray for those in our congregation who might have been finding this time difficult, especially those who are by themselves. We pray that you'll send them the encouragement and support that they might need. We do pray especially at this time also for Paula Stella, Bob Stevens, Kane Strong and Eric and Pam Taylor. We do bring before you our ministries as well, Lord, our connect groups and our young adult groups. We thank you that these have been able to continue uh, to some degree online. And we pray that they might have been an encouragement and blessing to those involved. We do pray for those in leadership over us, those who are working uh, as politicians and, and Christians as politicians. We pray that you'll, Um, protect them and give them the words to say as well and help them to be an example to you in this difficult task. We do also pray for Amy Stevens in Cordoba, that you'll give her peace and comfort at this time um, as she seeks to serve you overseas. We do bring before you our Anglican ministries, such as Moore College and YouthWorks. We thank you for their dedication to spreading your word and seeking to train up pastors and young leaders amongst us Lord we do admit that sometimes we get things wrong sometimes we do sin against you and that we sometimes we do behave in ways that are ungodly we humbly admit that we do need your help we have sinned against you in thought word and deed and what we have failed to do you alone can save us have mercy on us, wipe out our sins and teach us to forgive others, strengthen us to love and serve you and live our lives to your glory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Father, we are thankful that you fulfill your promises and you are true to your word. We've confessed our sins and you have forgiven us because Christ died for us. Finally, Lord, thank you for first loving us and giving us the chance to have a relationship with you. We finally also thank you, Lord, that as we pray to you and as we seek your guidance and ask for your mercy, Lord, we thank you that you answer prayers in your way and in your timing and in accordance with your will. Please be with us this week, wherever it might take us. Amen.
2: This is Max. Max is a builder. Ah, oh, look at him. He's such a good builder. Max uses bricks to build. He starts by carefully putting the pieces together to build the corner. He wants his structure to be sound and sturdy. He wants it to be built right. Max is a good builder. He takes pride in his work and he builds things well. wonder kids if you could build something for me and show me a picture in the comments of what you've built max also likes playing soccer he prepares really well but he likes playing without any shoes on oh not sure how that's gonna go max gets ready and he kicks the oh the brick bricks aren't made for soccer oh max oh bricks aren't made for throwing either If you're wondering what building has to do with the Bible, we're going to find out very soon as Pete comes and shares with us from 1 Peter 2 verses 4 to 10. He's going to share how Jesus is our cornerstone.
3: Hi, I'm Dominic. I'm a member of the 9am congregation and I've been asked to share with you this morning how I became a Christian. When I was five, my father sadly died. and uh, We had a family friend called Mervyn. Um, He was a local minister in our area. We weren't really church-going family, but Mervyn's family were the same age as ours. So we went to school with some of the kids and um, often hung out together. And Mervyn took myself and my brother under his wing. Um, He was an amazing Christian guy, really modelled what Christ's love was like. Um, He got us involved not only in his family, but also got us involved serving at church. Um, Serving at church was slightly different over there. It's a high Anglican church where I grew up, and that did mean donning a cassock and carrying around candles and smelly things but yeah it was a big part of our growing up he really showed us um, gave us a thermal understanding of who God was and who Christ was um, so I grew up all of my young adult life knowing who God was believing in God seeing myself as a Christian but also really seeing like a lot of people do in England and maybe over here but particularly in England that the church is there for things like christenings weddings funerals Easter Christmas not really committing yourself to Christ, not committing yourself to church and you're not committing yourself to members of the congregation. Um, it wasn't until I moved to Sydney and started going to church here that I was really challenged uh, of what it meant to be a Christian. Was I really living a, as a Christian life? Um, it made me think uh, I really wasn't and really challenged me to to look into what it was, what, what meant to be a Christian. So from there I started to, yeah, I went to did a few courses. I started to try and know Christ more, and actually let Christ into my life rather than to control everything myself, but allow Christ to lead me. And I've been growing ever since. Still a work in progress, but yeah, um, it's changed my life massively. The way I do things, the way I think about life, the way yeah, um, I'm challenged um, is changing me constantly. Um, so yeah, um, still a work in progress, but it It's definitely very different to when I was as a young man.
4: Good morning. My name is Brenda Causeley and I'll be reading from 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 4 to 10. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone and a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God
5: Hello friends, I'm so glad you've joined us. We're now in our fourth week on this series on the little book of 1 Peter in the New Testament. And have you noticed that he likes putting the word living in front of things? A couple of weeks ago, he said we have a living hope. Why? Well, because our hope is based on Jesus, who is not dead, but has been raised to life again. Last week, he talked about the living and enduring word of God. Now, to many people, this is just a book pretty big book and a pretty old book so what does he mean well it's living because God is living and he inspired every word of it and more than that through his word he brings spiritual birth and life to countless people around the globe and then today we come to what I think is the most striking combination Uh, Peter puts the word living in front of stone it sounds like an oxymoron doesn't it there's nothing very alive about this one living stone now if your surname's livingstone uh, i did my homework and looked into this uh, it's got absolutely no connection <laughs> whatsoever the surname livingstone comes from a scottish clan descended from a saxon called levin who settled in an area called the lothian lowlands and lothian just to go a bit further, is Gaelic, and it doesn't mean rock or stone or anything like that. It. it means something like waterway. Um, yeah, there's Levin, uh, and he was living in Lothian, but it's got nothing to do with the living stone here. Uh, today we're talking about this living stone in this Bible passage, and apart from mild curiosity, why bother with a detail like this? Well, it's because of this. Peter says that this living stone determines our eternal destiny. To put it bluntly, this living stone determines who's in and who's out of God's eternal kingdom. Nothing could be more important. See the contrast in verse 7. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. Well, friends, let's ask God to help us understand his word now. Let's pray. Dear Father, as we come to your living and enduring word, please help me to explain it in a clear and helpful manner. And please open our minds to understand it, open our hearts to believe it, and give us the will to obey it for your glory, for our good, and for the growth of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Friends, as usual, just a reminder that there is a kid's activity sheet uh, linked on this post. So if you need to, just pause now and uh, print that off uh, so the kids can follow along. But can I just say, I think it's great no matter what age we are, it's it's really helpful to take notes because it helps us remember what we're learning and it helps us put it into practice. And at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. Let's uh, look right from the beginning. Verse 4 begins with these words, as you come to him the living stone the living stone is a person and by the end of verse 5 we know who it is the lord jesus christ as you come to him the living stone rejected by humans but chosen by god and precious to him you also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. This passage paints a wonderful picture of God being the master stonemason who chooses a stone, that's Jesus, that is precious to him. Even though others have rejected it, you know, picture the Pharisees, the crucifixion, the jeering crowds and everyone since then, including us, who have ignored and rejected Jesus in our hearts. But God places this stone as the cornerstone of a new and magnificent building. And from the words he uses, it's like a heavenly temple where priests are serving. And did you notice who the priests are? Start of verse 5 you the people he's writing to and there's been a seismic shift in their hearts instead of being counted among the humans who have rejected him in verse 4 the you of verse 5 are people who have become like living stones in other words they've become like jesus christ and have been gathered by him and built into a spiritual house a huge community of Christ-like Christ-loving people instead of being gathered against him they're now gathered by him and gathered for him and, and what's their purpose well Peter's metaphor changes a bit here uh, instead of being the building they're now in the building a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ Not sacrifices to make us acceptable to God, but sacrifices that are acceptable to God. How? Through Jesus Christ. Because he paid for our sin by his death on the cross. Now, ultimately, this is a metaphor for heaven itself. God's people in God's place enjoying God's loving rule. It begins in the hearts of believers the moment they're born again. Remember last week? And it grows and flourishes as we're shaped by God's living and enduring word until it reaches its fulfilment and fullness in God's presence in heaven itself for eternity. So how does this seismic shift take place in our hearts? How can we be born again? Well, notice two things happening. Firstly, verse 5 says they are being built in other words this is something that actually god does to us not something we can do by ourselves but secondly see the opening words of verse 4 as you come to him there's a conscious decision on our part for which god will hold us accountable now some people misunderstand the sovereign work of god in the world as mere fate you know If God wants me, there's nothing I can do to change it, he'll get me. Or worse, if God wants me, he'll get me and I'm not gonna lift a finger to help him. Or still worse, if God doesn't get me and I end up in hell, well it's his fault for not choosing me. Now it's not only a tragic misunderstanding of his sovereignty, but it's an appalling response to the great love he has shown us in Christ. Now, we can't see uh, his perspective like he does, and we don't know whom he has chosen to save. But having come to him ourselves and received his forgiveness and received his living presence in our hearts by his Holy Spirit and received the gift of eternal life, we can say with confidence, He chose me. And so, throughout the Bible, we see that God's sovereignty has always produced great assurance and great comfort in the heart of the believer. And it's been the driving motivation for spreading the gospel, not a reason to give up. Imagine a door to God, and above it is written the words, you know, from verse 4, come to him. And some people walk past it, uh, but some go through And as you go through the door, you look back, and above that same door is written the words from verse 9, You are a chosen people. And can I just add, yeah, we can't take any credit for walking through the door. It's just an illustration anyway. But when we are saved, we can see all the ways God has been at work in our hearts, bringing us to himself. All the glory and all our gratitude belong to him alone. Peter now backs up his living stone metaphor by stringing together some passages from the Old Testament that talk about a cornerstone. Now, to help us understand this concept of the cornerstone and the significance of it, we need two things. Firstly, a lesson in construction. And secondly, some background from the Old Testament. I'm going to put some pictures up to help us. The cornerstone is that big stone you see at the bottom corner of lots of old stone buildings. Now, the cornerstone is the principal foundation stone and it sets the direction for all the other stones. So every stone is kind of connected to it uh, in that way. So if Jesus is our cornerstone, that means he's the foundation for our lives. Our direction and purpose in life, it's built entirely in reference to Jesus. Uh, We maintain our connection to him. We have to. And it's a really helpful picture, isn't it? So, you know, we're just rocking along in life, then we come to a decision to make. What do we do? Well, connect to him, In prayer about the issue see what he says about it in his word and then what decision what direction is going to be in line with his will and matches his godly character as for the Old Testament background it's mostly done for us in verses 6 to 8 in these verses uh, Peter pulls together three quotes from the Old Testament and applies them to Jesus the first verse 6 is from Isaiah chapter 28. It provides a glimmer of hope in the middle of a long description of God's judgment on his people because they've rejected him, This is what it says. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Even in the darkness of human rebellion, God shines the light of hope to all who trust in him. And verse 7 explains that response a little bit more clearly. Now, to you who believe, this stone is precious. So the person who believes in Jesus now sees Jesus the way God sees him. See back in verse 4? Precious. Of course, Jesus is precious to us because he gave his life to make us acceptable to God. But verse 7 also introduces a stark contrast there's another response on display. But to those who do not believe, and here comes our next Old Testament quote from uh, Psalm 118, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and, and this is a third quote from Isaiah chapter 8, a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. Some people just seem to cruise through life. They look like they've got it all together. They look like they know all about life. But here, they're they're described as builders. But they've turned their backs on Jesus. And by doing so, they've turned their back on the cornerstone of life. And because of that, they stumble in life and they fall in eternity. And the original context back in Isaiah chapter 8 should be a stern warning to those of us in the church community because it's addressed to God's people back there. They should have known the way of life, but they rejected the one in whom true life is found. Let us not repeat that fatal mistake. And verse eight continues, they stumbled because they disobeyed the message, which is also what they were destined for. They knew the truth. They knew what was right. They had the opportunity to repent and put their trust in Jesus, but instead they disobeyed the message and they reap the consequences. Again, this verse affirms both God's sovereignty and our human responsibility. Step through the door called disobedience or rejecting Christ, and on the back of that same door, it says, destined to fall. How we respond to Christ, the cornerstone, determines whether we are part of God's spiritual building or not. Now, Peter doesn't linger too long here. Uh, He's writing to encourage those who do believe. Uh, And verse 9 is about as good as it gets. Uh, Two big questions in life. Who am I? What am I supposed to do? Identity and purpose. Well, verse 9 answers both those uh, questions in an astonishing way. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Now this is actually our memory verse for the series. So I'm gonna help you remember it by adding some action. So limber up the fingers, ready, here we go. And then I'm gonna explain what each bit means. So you are a chosen people. Grab your thumbs, got your fingerprint on it, represents you, you're a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood make a crown Uh, you're a holy nation hold your hands out like you're serving the king god's special possession hands close to your heart that you may declare the praises of him point to heaven who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light hold your hands out like you're giving gifts ready that was our practice run let's put it all together if you need a bit more practice just take the podcast back and have a few runs through ready here we go together you are a chosen people a royal priesthood a holy nation god's special possession that you may declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light there you go we're well on the way to memorizing uh, 1 peter 2 and verse uh, 9 So that's a good one. But what does it mean? Peter is digging into the Old Testament again and pulling together a bunch of grand titles that God gave to the Israelites, mostly in the wilderness, to show that these Gentiles up in Galatia, around that area, they're God's people too. They're not second-rate add-ons, latecomers. They're not like in-app purchases. They're the real deal. They legitimately belong to God. They stand in continuity with the faithful Israelites of the Old Covenant. And together with all the Jews who have put their trust in Jesus, they belong to God's new covenant community in Christ. So if you believe in Jesus, remember this. We're a chosen people. God's got a hold of us. What a great reminder of the security of our salvation. God's chosen us and he's holding on to us. Sometimes, you know, we don't hold on real well, but he's got us. We're right to be filled with gratitude to him. We're a royal priesthood. Royal, because God's not only our king, but he's our heavenly father. And we're part of his royal family. And we're priests, not because we mediate in any way, Jesus alone does that but because we have the privilege of serving him. Uh, When preparing a resume uh, or preparing for a job interview, it's always nice to be able to drop a few names. Uh, You know, I've worked with so-and-so from, you know, insert big company name. Um, I've performed with so-and-so, you know, insert well-known artist. Uh, I was trained by, insert famous educator, uh, yeah, I've received, kind of insert prestigious award or medal or something like that now. But friends, all such acquaintances and honours, they pale into comparison with our status as God's royal priesthood. It's an incredibly privileged identity. And he keeps going, we are a holy nation. Now in the Old Testament, Israel was to be a public witness to the world of a nation who are set apart on a god That's what holy means well as believers in christ we're not part of a physical nation but a spiritual nation scattered around the globe and wherever we are god wants us to be a public witness to the world of people who honor god and lastly we're god's special possession do you have a special possession perhaps something that belonged to your great grandmother Or a mint set of footy cards from 1977. Or a piece of jewellery that's rare and precious. Or maybe an artwork done by one of your kids when they were way back in preschool. We all have special possessions and we'd be devastated if we lost them. That gives us some idea of the strength of God's affection for us. Not because we deserve it, but because he has chosen us to set his love upon us we are his treasure his special possession so if that's who we are what does god call us to do again verse 9 tells us we're called to declare the praises of him who's called us out of darkness and into his wonderful light it's your personal testament isn't it it's your story of how god has saved you It means taking every opportunity to tell other people how awesome god is to tell them how he saved us. Yeah, and the before and the after comparison is as strong as darkness compared to light. Such a vivid picture for us because verse 10 is actually our story. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Thanks be to God. Amen. Friends, when this podcast is over, can I encourage you to share your story of how God called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light with whoever you're watching this with. If you're by yourself, why don't you give someone a call? It'd
0: be so encouraging to share. Thank you for joining us this morning and if you're watching this on Facebook then it would be great if you could now go on and leave a thumbs up or you know share a comment about what's uh, encouraged you this morning. Uh, for the kids, uh, if you've been doing an activity or building something we'd love to see that so put it up so we can all enjoy it. Uh, with the current social distancing rules most of our connect groups will continue to meet online but we do have more freedom to now you know meet up with each other during the week. And so can I encourage you, you as appropriate, uh, who could you get in touch with this week? Uh, Next week, we're going to continue our series in 1 Peter, looking at the theme of submission. And so we hope that you'll be able to join us again uh, next Sunday. Uh, But for now, uh, have a great week. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord.